Okay, so I asked you your favorite Christmas song and the artist, and I was talking to the band, you know, and, and I wondered, you know, who are yours? And they, did, they didn't really have a lot of, to say about it, which is interesting. They're musicians, you would think. You know, Lindsay was like Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas, number one. She's like, please don't say that. That is not my favorite Christmas song. So I, I went, and there's a number of lists out there, but here's the list of the top five, and this is from Spotify. Spotify, over the last few years, has been compiling at Christmas, during the Christmas season, what are the top five songs that are streamed? So this is not a list by Billboard or anybody like that. This is by Spotify, actually streaming songs. Here they all, here they are. All I Want for Christmas, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Who sang that? Oh, nobody knows. <laughs> Jingle Bell Rock, White Christmas, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. That, that is your top five. Here's what I wanted to know. How many of you, when you shared your favorite Christmas song, it was one of these? How many, it was one of these? So not a ton, unless you're embarrassed to raise your hand right now. <laughs> what else did you have? What else? Silent Night. Silent Night, Oh Holy Night, that's usually a big one. What else? Mary, did I hear? Mary, did you know? I heard that. 12 Days of Christmas. Hark the Herald. Now, some of you are like, I'm in church. I'm going to say a Christian song. <laughs> I like it. I like it. A um, lot of good Christmas songs. I've been listening. Um, Robin has compiled this incredible playlist. Ben Rector's Christmas album is really, really good if you haven't heard that. Um, she included, um, we love um, Harry Connick Jr.'s Christmas albums, and he has a new one this year uh, with the big band, and Sarah Reeves has a great kind of big band Christmas album, and then she loves like Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. She likes some of the old classics. Anybody love the old classics? Do some of you like the, oh, wow, that was overwhelming. So it was Mariah Carey, like two of you raised your hands, and then everybody else, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, the, yeah. Good, good stuff, and um, I want to come back to, to, to a song that I heard the other day when I get to what we're going to talk about today. So Advent season, I mentioned, is a time to slow down, to reorient um, ourselves around the present, like God is present with us. So often we think of God as being distant, but God is with us. That's, that's the Christmas story, is that God loved us so much that he entered the world that Christ became flesh and blood to walk among us. And what Christ said uh, when, when he left was that it was good that he was going away because the Holy Spirit, God's very spirit, would be released on the earth and that we would all have the presence of God with us. That's, that's the beauty of, of the Advent season, the Christmas season, is that we can reorient our lives around that truth. Last week we talked about hope and how when, when we think of hope, so oftentimes we are just optimistic people. Like we're hopeful that our football team's gonna make it into the playoffs. Unless you're an Auburn fan and then you just don't. So we have this hope, we're, we're optimistic, but in scripture, hope is rooted in a person, not in circumstances. So our hope is um, not just this optimistic. The, the truth is we're all broken. We, we all are wandering in, in some darkness. And hope is not found in the perfecting of our circumstances and getting everything just right. Hope is found in the presence of God, the presence of a Savior, which is what Christmas is all about. That's where hope is. 
And then uh, as a part of this Advent season, there's some more traditional themes. And so we're going to step into the second theme uh, today, which is um, peace, the idea of peace. All we are saying is give peace a chance. That's not a Christmas song, but peace. And one of the, the, the primary, when you read the stories of the Christmas season in Scripture, of the birth of Christ, one of the things that you find is when the angels appear in different settings. So when God shows up to speak to people, oftentimes the first reaction is fear, and so you find those angels saying, do not fear, and this idea that, that there's going to be peace on earth. And at the heart of all of us is a desire to have some peace in our world, right? It wouldn't, the idea of peace, I was thinking this week when we were, when I was kind of getting my mind centered on peace, like this, this theme would be very different if we lived in like the region of the Ukraine, wouldn't it? This idea of what, what does peace on earth look like? What, is it, what does it feel like? What is peace on earth? And for so many of us, and in our American mindset, peace oftentimes is just thought of as the absence of conflict. I just don't want conflict in my life. How many of you love conflict? Now, come on. Now, there's some of you who love conflict. If you've ever done the Enneagram, like eights, any eights in the room, like conflict is not something that you avoid. How many of you avoid conflict like it's the plague? Like, be honest. How many of you? Yeah. There's so many of us that just don't want any conflict, and so we stay away. We avoid conflict, and in a sense, we, we, we feel as though there's peace, but peace is much deeper than just the avoidance or the absence of conflict. Conflict is only a, a, a piece of peace. It's only a part of peace, and in the biblical story journey, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's this understanding of peace that is much deeper than just the idea of conflict. So I want you to go with me just a little bit. So the word in the Hebrew language is shalom. You've probably heard this before. Let's say this uh, together. Shalom. 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 Is also, it, it's like a greeting. Like if you've been in the Holy Lands, it's one of the greetings that they use. Shalom is this idea of peace um, and, and, and greeting, and, and it's a way to, to, to say Man, I hope we're good. Like, may life be good. May, may, may you be at peace. But it's, it's deeper than that. So here's, here's a little look. So shalom in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Irene, uh, it, it's complete or whole, or to make complete or whole, the verb uh, usage of shalom. And here's one of the, the definitions that helps me so much. Maybe this will be helpful to you. A complex object with no gaps or missing pieces. Um, this, this helps me a little bit understand peace. I, in, in, um, in our last house, we had a, a, a backyard with a, a fence. And on the, the fence of our backyard was stucco. How many of you have stucco on the brick of your, your fences? So you know what I'm talking about. Now... My boys liked to have one section of the fence for their soccer ball and baseball to throw against the stucco wall. And what would happen when they kicked a soccer ball or threw a baseball against that stucco wall is pieces of the stucco wall would eventually become dislodged and there would be gaps. 
if you're a type one like me, it just drives you crazy. And, and you, you have to internally come to some sort of peace that your kids kicking the soccer ball and throwing a baseball or whatever it is that they're doing is okay and probably more important than all the stucco looking beautiful on your back wall. Now, that is hard for me to even understand how anybody would think that. But so my kids would do that. And then I had this really annoying part of my back wall where um, later, come to find out, there was water that was um, from our neighbor's yard that was kind of seeping up in the wall. I, I didn't even know it could do this. And then just pieces would flake off. And I would try to fix it, and it would just fall off again. And the idea of peace in Scripture is a wall that has no gaps. So if you think about that stucco, there's no gaps, there's no cracks, there's, there's nothing missing. It's just complete. That is shalom, completeness. Now, if you have stucco, you'll never have shalom. But... That's another story. If you think about bricks missing and those sorts of things, that's more the idea that there's missing pieces from that. And shalom is this wholeness, nothing missing, no cracks, no missing pieces in the wall. Both from, from external, so from balls hitting it, but also there's an internal piece to it, like the water would seep up in the wall, which would cause issues with the stucco and it would just fall out. So the, the shalom is not just external, it's also internal. And, and many of us have gotten really good at making the external look like we're, it's all good, there's peace, while internally we're being eaten up by certain things in our lives. And shalom is completeness, both internally and externally. Have you ever known uh, a couple, been friends with somebody, and it seemed like everything was great, and then super surprising when that relationship is broken, and you thought, I, it looked like everything was great, but there was, internal, there was something going on internally that you never saw like, shalom is where that doesn't exist. There's this, there's this completeness. So here's the Christmas song. I was listening to some Christmas music, Robin's incredible playlist. It's all her, not me. I would put things on there, like Tennessee Christmas and Christmas in Dixie. And she's like, who would ever listen to that kind of stuff? And I'm like, I would. And she's like, let me do the playlist. And so I was listening to the playlist, and this song came on with this lyric. Um, no more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. And I was thinking about this song, and some of you, when you listen to a song like this, you start crying. I was going to play it, and I was like, oh, we'll have tears all over. We can't do that. But you're listening to this song, and um, I can't remember who sings it. What's the... Uh, Amy Grant, she's one who sings it. And then there's somebody else um, who won one of the, um, oh, I can't remember her name. Amy's not the one on our playlist. Catherine McPhee, that's who it was. Yeah. Um, I think her husband actually wrote the song. You start to think about this and you think, what would that look like in the world? What would it look like? And again, this would be different if you lived in different parts of the world. What, what would it look like to, to have wholeness in relationships, where there were no wars or rumors of wars, where there would be heal like hearts which hurt over time from different circumstances, what would it look like for hearts to heal 
to, to really heal and there to be restoration in relationships? What would that be like? And that everyone would have someone, their person, like all of us would have a person, someone that was like our, our, our not, not, not necessarily a spouse, but a person, someone that we could trust and that we could find joy in, in, in the relationship and time, and, and right would always win, and love would never end. I mean, this is my grown-up Christmas list. And let's just be honest. Some of us, like, we'll hear a song like this, and we'll read these lyrics, and we're incredibly cynical, like, not possible. And some of you were in church, so you're not going to say it out loud. But you think that. You're like, that's ridiculous. It's not possible. And I would agree that it's not possible if it if it's up to us. And the beauty of the Christmas story is that God wants to do something that we can't do, that you can't do, and that I can't do. But it takes, it, it takes us trusting and turning over some of our own will and stubbornness. Any stubborn people in the room today, don't nudge the people next to you. Like, just claim it on your own. Like, it, it takes us letting go of some of our stubbornness and our desire to, to, to push our way forward, which, I mean, I'm, that's me. Here, here's in the Old Testament, a couple Old Testament passages that I want us to, to, to look at. Here's in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, Isaiah's writing, and there's so much tension and, and um, there's some wars going on around Israel in this day and age. And here's what Isaiah writes, is, is that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. So the, the idea here for, for Isaiah is that you've got to have a solid foundation beyond yourself, and so God is that eternal rock. We must learn to trust and keep our mind fixed on the eternal rock rather than the circumstances or the things that we can't control in the world around us. And for Isaiah and Israel, there was so much going on that they couldn't control. The only thing they could control is where their hearts and their minds were fixed. Um, what I love about this is this perfect piece in the Hebrew. If you go read the, the, the literal Hebrew, it's not two different words. It's actually the same word repeated. Um, you will keep in shalom, shalom. It says shalom twice in the original Hebrew. Perfect peace, shalom, shalom. Uh, that's the perfect peace. And here's how to get to it, according to Isaiah. Trust, trusting God, putting your weight in God, and fixing our minds, rather than our minds being fixed on all the issues. Now listen, I, I joke a lot and what's funny about it, I joke a lot about driving on Shea. I'm going to go ahead and tell you where I'm going. I joke a lot about driving on Shea and how annoying it is when people drive really slow on Shea. And it's funny because I mentioned it a few years ago, and you all laughed really hard. And so I thought, oh, that works. I'm going to keep going with that. And I kept going with it. And now some of you are like, Matt, you really need counseling. Like you come in. And here's what I've learned on Shea. When I, when I need to work on my patience, I, I drive on Shea. It's good for me. And here's what I've learned is that where my mind is fixed when I'm driving determines the peace in my heart. And when I'm driving on Shea, if my mind is fixed on how slow some of you drive, <laughs> just kidding, kind of, if, if, if my mind is fixed on how 
I'm not getting what I want, my internal peace is disrupted. But it's, it's so interesting to me if I'm listening to a podcast or music or something and I'm caught up in that, if my mind is fixed somewhere else, it's so interesting to me how the traffic doesn't even seem to bother me. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? And, and the peace and, and the experience of peace, begin, I think it always begins in our minds. And, and where our minds are, are leaning or fixed and, and where they're rooted. And if our minds are rooted in all of these externals around us, then, I mean, it's quite possible we'll never know peace. Like, we'll never, like, as humans, experience this idea of peace. Um, in the New Testament, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago. In Philippians chapter 4, we were walking through Philippians. It's why Paul says this, fix your thoughts there's a couple places in Scripture where it talks about fixing our minds or fixing our eyes. And, and what Paul is saying is to fix your, your minds on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, things that are excellent and worthy of praise, like your mind should be fixed there rather on your mind being fixed on all the tension and the anxiety and the things that you have that you can't figure. Like So, so my question that is maybe a good one for you to take is, is this, what is filling your mind these days? Like where is your mind fixed in these days? And where are you trusting, like where are you leaning into trust to give you peace? Is it in the circumstances or the things that surround you or is your mind rather fixed on some other pieces? Um, Craig Rochelle uh, is a pastor in Oklahoma City, and he said this a couple years ago. Uh, in the middle of the pandemic, he said this. I, th I thought this was so, so good, that peace isn't found in the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. And it's the Christmas season that is this ever-coming reminder that, that God is present with us. He, he's with you. And the challenges and the difficulties that are right, like God is with you, and I think so often I miss God's presence because I'm fixed on the challenges or the problems that are around me. Let me, little marriage advice. Someone who messes it up a lot. A little marriage advice is if you always focus on the things that you struggle with with your partner, those are the things that are going to be the loudest in your life. If you celebrate the good that's there, if your mind is fixed on the good, rather, that, like you find so much joy in that relationship. Does that make sense? And so often we, we get to the place where we're, we, we, we begin, and, and I'm, I'm not just talking to you. I'm like, this is me. There are so many times it's like, I wish he, I wish she, if only they, that's our focus. And I heard this years ago in, in, a, in a counseling conversation, some pastoral counseling, and I think this is so true that, and, and I've said this to my kids, they, it drives them crazy when I say this kind of thing. Like if you think about a pie chart and you ask the question like how much of the problem is, is the other person and how much is you? And everyone always says 90% of the problem is them. And yeah, I've got a little piece, 10, you know, 10%, but, but they're 90% of the problem. And in the counseling, we, like, I learned, then just focus on your 10. If you'll focus on your 
and not worry about the 90%, things will get better. Does that make sense? And the same is true with the concept of peace is that if we're always focused on the conflict or the anxiety, all those other things, like, that we miss what could be an experience. Jesus, when he was leaving, said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. It's so interesting. In one of the final conversations Jesus is having with his disciples, he's telling them, I want to give you some peace. And it's not like the world gives. It's, it's not going to be up and down based on, you know, the circumstances and the conflict and all that. Like, I'm going to give you a peace that cannot be taken from you. And so, therefore, this spirit that Jesus is promising to them, he's saying you don't have to fear the circumstances or the, the things going on around you because God will be with you in all of those things. Uh, in Philippians, again, you know, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him. Then, so where's the mind in this? It's God. It's turning towards God. You're like we're fixing our mind on, on, on God and his presence. And then his peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds as you trust in Christ Jesus. See how it all kind of fits together, Old Testament to the New Testament? Like it's, you should read your Bibles. It's incredible how it, like it just... It comes together. So I was, you know, I always write out notes. So when you turn your heart and your mind over, when you fully trust God, you no longer look to your external realities to bring peace. So it's, you're no longer waiting for something to happen so that then you can have peace. You're actually walking in peace because God is with you. So it's not a waiting game. It's actually an experiencing it no matter the circumstances. You know, I can walk into a really difficult conversation because I know who holds the future. Does that, does that make sense? Like, I, I trust the one who has my best interest in mind. That's God the Father. So I can walk through difficult, I can, I can be in the midst of something that I don't see the end of because of God. Now, um, this, this concept, this idea, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to, um, I mean, it's, it's dark outside, it's dark in here. I'm gonna ask you to participate here for just a second. Uh, this idea of trusting in and fixing our mind, the idea of truly fixing our mind, there's a physical reality to it. So I want you to do something. I want you to stand up with me, if you would, just for a second. Some of you are like, are we done? Not yet. Stay with me. So there's a physical reality to this, that the idea of trusting, and if you, if you go read the Hebrew and do a little like uh, word study, there's an idea of trusting and fixing your mind that is a sense of like the, the, the concept is putting your full weight into. And here's how I like to think about this is many of us are trusting God and you've got your seats behind you. I want you to, I want you to sit in your seat as if um, you didn't trust that it can hold you. Go ahead and, go ahead and sit in your seat and you have, to, you have to like position yourself and maybe even prop your arm up on the back. You position yourself in a way that you kind of are in it. How many of you, your, thigh, your, your quads are burning right now? Do you have any burning quads? This is a good workout at home just to do this. Some of us, stay with me. Some of you are like, I can't do this much longer. Quads are burning. Don't, don't. I don't want you to tear an ACL. We don't have that kind of insurance here. But um, 
Some of us, we can't understand why we don't have peace, and yet this is how we're trusting God. We, we haven't yet fully put our weight and so my quads are burning right now. I don't know about yours. Some of you have given up. You're already sitting down. So now go ahead and just let it go. Just like trust the chair. Like trust that the chair can hold you. And, and this is what scripture is talking about. Is being able to fully rest, put your weight into God. And when it says fix your mind, this is what it's talking about is understanding that God's presence, it doesn't mean we don't have the problems around us. It means that we can have peace in the midst of the problems around us. Because we can sit and rest in him. Whew, that's a good workout. <laughs> now, there's a second piece to this. That we, we fix our minds, we trust God, but then... Listen, this is so important for the church. If you're a follower of Jesus, that peace is not something for you to hold on to, but it's something for you to share. And, and to do everything in your power. Look in, in, in uh, Romans, Paul says, now, like when you get to this place, don't just pretend to love other people. Really love them. This is a good word for us at Christmas. Don't just pretend to love, like really love people. You can hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good while you love other people. You can do that. I can do that. With genuine affection, taking delight in honoring each other. He goes on, bless those who persecute you. And Paul was talking to people who were, were being put to death. So persecution there is very different than what we understand. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. Be happy with those, like rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, like be sad with those who are walking through difficult times. Live in harmony with each other, this idea of harmony, completeness, fullness, and then never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can. Here's the word for us. That once you begin to trust God fully and fix your mind on him fully, that you would do everything that you can to bring about a reality of peace for everyone you encounter. Does that make sense? That we would do as, as Christians. Now, this is for, not all of us are Christians in the room, but if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're someone who claims Christ, this is one of those things that we are called to do is that when we experience God's peace, we are to do everything in our power to help others experience peace. And that's not just in pointing them to God. It's in how we relate to them, how we walk with them in life. Like everything in our power to bring peace. Um, Stephen Furtick said this, peace can't be experienced as long as we're insisting upon perfection from ourselves, from others, from circumstances. Like, we won't be able to experience peace if we're demanding that everybody gives us perfection, including ourselves. Some of you need to rest from, from trying to, to find perfection in yourself and trying to make everything perfect in yourself. Um, there's, a, there's a psalm, and I kept coming back to this psalm 
when I was thinking about peace, the word peace is in it, that's why, but um, the idea of it is this. Oh, no, there's something else. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about John Mark Comer. Yeah, go back to that, that's really good. Hold on, go back to John Mark Comer. Love, joy, and peace are at the center, at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. This is really important, that this is what Jesus wants for you. And it's incompatible with hurry, which is interesting because that's the Christmas season for so many of us. It's just hurried. So slowing down. So here's, here's the psalm. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe, which is an interesting psalm in and of itself. And then I started to think how many of us um, were so worked up that we can't rest, we can't sleep. And I was thinking, isn't this what we need? Don't you need sleep? I mean, yeah, physically you need sleep, but I mean, re- like true rest. And one of the beauty, beauties of, of the Hebrew way of life was that they, they viewed the day beginning as they went to sleep at night. That was the beginning of the day. Well, why is that? Because they wanted in their mindset to trust that, that God had all things held together while they did nothing but rest and sleep. It's just it's a different way to look at the day. My day begins as I go to sleep. Most of us think our day begins as we work because the world is dependent upon what I do in order for the world to turn. Well, can you trust that the world continues without your work? Could you rest and experience God's peace, could you sleep, lay down and sleep as God keeps us safe? Well, um, we're going we're gonna to step towards a, a time of communion, of receiving communion, which is God's gift to us. And so in the next couple moments, if you need to get up and, and get the elements, you can, you can do that. But, um, man, I hope this season we're able to reorient ourselves around the concepts of hope and also peace so God, in these, um, in these moments, we lean into you fully. We, we, we rest because you have all things in your hands. We trust you. God, we trust you, and we fix our minds on you. In Jesus' name.